On this episode of Across College Lacrosse, we recap the midweek games as we always do. We round up the Tauritan watch list for the men. There are 50 names in all, and some of them don't belong, but congrats to them. Uh, Cuse's next five games, can they win two or three games? As one of our Twitter users uh, asked before recording this show tonight. And then also, outside of our weekend preview and picks and lines, would you rather win at home or would you rather win it away? An interesting question and an answer that might surprise some people, but not me, because I'm me. This is another edition of Across College Lacrosse. Hey, hey, welcome back to Across College Lacrosse. We are at episode number nine already as we have our first March episode of the 2018 season. I am your host as always, unless I'm sick and someone has to take over, which probably will never happen. Chris Dostremski, happy to be alongside with you for this episode. Let's get to immediately the few midweek games before we get to our couple of items on our list before we have our weekend preview and picks and lines, which right now there aren't any lines from Las Vegas lines, so we'll just do picks instead. Uh, the midweek games, all from Division One. On Tuesday, we had a Six games on schedule with Hartford beating Fairfield 16-11. They are, the Hawks are out of reverse survivor contention with their first one of the season. Georgetown crushing Mount St. Mary's, who's looked really good in their first few games of the season. Except they ran into a big train known as Daniel Bucaro and the Hoyas. 16-6 with zero final there. Yale beating UMass 13-10. UMass scored six quarter six goals in the fourth quarter after the Bulldogs extended their lead to 13-4. So even though it looks closer than it, it it's it's closer than it is. Hofstra over Stony Brook 14-2. That's Hofstra's first win of the season on a Long Island battle. BU in overtime beating Bryant 8-7. And then Villanova beating Drexel 12-9. Drexel was actually leading for most of this game. They were leading 9-7 at half. Actually, excuse me, at the third quarter. They were leading 9-7 at the third quarter, thanks to four goals from Marshall King and then a goal and assist each from Reed Bowering and Matthew Varian. But then you had Villanova deciding to wake up in the fourth quarter, score five goals. Keegan Kine had two of those goals. Danny Seibel added with two goals and assist. Devin McNamara had a Goal in that fourth quarter. He ended up with two and one as well. Colin Crowley with two goals and two assists. And then Nick Testa had an okay day. Made eight saves. But classic midweek game against a crosstown rival on short rest. Villanova just coming off a dominant 7-2 performance against Hofstra. I wouldn't look into this Drexel close win a lot. I mean... They have played Penn State by a goal and Yale by a goal, and they won both in overtime, but those were different circumstances. Both of those teams were ranked opponents. Penn State, you know, has 
definitely declined after their loss to Robert Morris last Saturday. But they do have they have four very interesting games on tap in the next two weeks. They play on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, and the following Saturday, and they have excuse me, three. They have four games in three weeks. I'm looking at the Maryland game thinking I thought that was... No, wait, wait, wait. No. Yeah. Yes. My bad. They have three games in in the next week. They have four games in two weeks. So they have Delaware. They're at Delaware on Saturday. And that Delaware team is undefeated, by the way. And they are in my top 20, number 20. Then you have Brown at home on the 6th. Followed by... A Philly four team in Penn, who has Penn State this weekend, so they'll have a common opponent there. That's on March 10th, and then they host Maryland, defending national champions, and they won that battle last year at College Park on St. Paddy's Day. Four big games for this Wildcat program coming up in non-conference play. Delaware is probably the easiest, but they are also going to be a challenge. Ben DeLuca did a solid job so far. They have a good guy in Jake Cravat at the faceoff X who dominated against Monmouth. And Mount St. Mary's, NGIT, Monmouth, they're not bright wins, but the we saw some signs from Delaware that they aren't really they well they are kind of they might be legit. So that'll be an interesting game down in the first state. Drexel, meanwhile, is 0-3. They face off against Marist, who got their first win on Sunday against Binghamton. And then we will go to the Wednesday games, a couple Wednesday games. North Carolina beating Mercer 14-7. to And then Loyola beating Towson 12-8 thanks to a late surge in that fourth quarter. And Towson, despite being not so hot on offense, their defense, once again, is a big reason why they are in it against some of these teams. They were in it against Hopkins in the second half. First half was not good. They were kind of in it against Georgetown. They beat Mount St. Mary's thanks to, I believe, some offense. And then Loyola defense was a big part of their their uh, their their game. Pat Spence, however, found a way to get by that thousand defense. Four goals, three assists for seven points. He was my first star on Wednesday. Kevin Lindley added three goals. Jay Trapeau and Aiden Olmstein had two goals and one assist. Jacob Stover made seven saves on the day. Meanwhile, for Towson, Timmy Monahan is appearing to be one of their better players on offense. Three goals, two assists for the transfer from Maryland. Second on the team with 10 points. John Mazza had an assist. He has 11 points for the team this year, and he is there leader in points and tied for goals with Brendan Sunday who had two goals with seven. Shane Brennan did start in goal. Uh, He was actually supposed to be the backup to Josh Miller who ended up getting the flu somehow on before the game Wednesday. He started against uh, Georgetown and he made 12 saves there. But Brennan did a very good job, a nice rebound. He was a starter against Hopkins and Mount St. Mary's before getting pulled for both. That's when Miller came in. 14 saves. 
would maybe not go to him again. I mean, he had a really good game, but he's a... I don't know if you would want to go to him and maybe if maybe if Miller is still not healthy, you go to Brennan. But I would still think Brennan uh, is the backup for the time being unless Miller starts to falter and it's not because of the flu. They have UMBC on Saturday and that should be a low scoring game filled with really tough defense. UMBC has, is known for their defense and they haven't been really able to score a lot of goals. Matter of fact, they have not even scored over 10. They only scored 9 against Richmond, 5 against Navy, 7 against Mount St. Mary's. So, there's not a lot of firepower in UMBC's offense. We talk about Towson's offense. There's not a lot, but I think the quality of players that they have now is much better on offense than UMBC's offense. Defense will be the key. So, if you like defensive lacrosse, that will be your game to watch on Saturday. Two games on for today in the Midwest Lacrosse Classic. Bellarmine, Detroit Mercy, Marquette, Ohio State. Bunch of Saturday games. And then the second half of the Midwest Lacrosse Classic with Bellarmine against Marquette. And then Ohio State against host Detroit Mercy. Also Syracuse and Virginia. And we'll get to all the other games from Saturday and Sunday and picks for the entire weekend coming up later in the show. Uh, let's go to some actual topics of interest. The Torrington watch list got released last night. 50 names on it. There are some interesting names to discuss. We'll go through all the names here. There are no freshmen. There is one Division Three guy, which I think is interesting, but I think the guy that is on that list is definitely deserving of that honor. So without further ado, there are 50 names. Docs Aiken from Virginia, Dylan Alderman from Hofstra. That's one that you no know, might not be a interesting pick there, but Grant Amet from Penn State, Trevor Baptiste from Denver, a finalist from last year, Jared Bernhardt from Maryland, Brendan Bomberry from Syracuse, Tate Boyce from Providence, Dan Bacaro from Georgetown, Morgan Cheek from Harvard. Chris Cloutier from North Carolina, Jack Con Cannon from Hofstra, Ryan Conrad from Virginia, Brian Corrigan from Marist, Brian Costabile from Notre Dame, Christian Cuccinello from Villanova, Connor Fields from Albany, a finalist from last year, who probably if Matt Rambo was not around, would definitely have won that Torton Award. Zach Goodrich from Towson, Phil Goss from Brown, another question mark there. Justin Gutterding from Duke, I believe was not a finalist last year, if I'm right. Yet Reeves, yet Reeves, who's on the list. You had Pat Spencer, who's on the list. Rambo, who won it. And then Fields, yeah, he wasn't. So, Justin Gutterding should be a finalist this year. If not, I will discredit, we should discredit the Torreton, uh Foundation because Justin Gutterding is definitely a Torreton finalist. Jules Henningberg from Rutgers. T.D. Erland from Albany. Chris Keaton from Yale. Connor Keaton from Penn, the best LSM in the nation. Sorry, John Sexton. Jo uh, Connor Kelly from Maryland. Tom Kennedy from Bryant. That is an interesting choice. Trey LeClear from Ohio State. Ian McKay from Vermont, even though I like Ian and what Vermont's doing right now. That is an interesting choice. Simon Mathias from Penn. Sean Mayall from Denver. Nick Mellon from Syracuse. I'm highlighting him. 
because uh, he was hurt last year. I mean, he's still doing fine, but another interesting choice in my mind. Brent Noseworthy from Michigan, Isaac Papara from UMass, Ben Randall from Ohio State, Casey Reese from Navy, Rylan Reese from Stony Brook. I'm going to highlight both Reese's because, again, with Mellon, he was hurt. Reese was hurt last year. Rylan Reese is an interesting decision there for the Seawolves. Ben Reese from Yale, Will Saints from Bucknell, John Sexton from Notre Dame, Nate Solomon from Syracuse, Michael Sowers from Princeton, Pat Spencer from Loyola, Johnny Surdick from Army, David Sims from Marvy, Jeff Teat, thank God he's on, from Cornell, Joel Tinney from Hopkins, Grayson Terrain from Navy. The D3 guy is a defenseman from Salisbury. His name is Kyle Tucker, one of the better defensemen in the nation overall. He will probably get drafted in the MLL this year. Then you have Cade Van Rapphorst of Duke, Ethan Walker of Denver, and Jack Wilson of BU. There are no freshmen on this list. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that's a bad sign. But you would think maybe Tohoka would be on that list. But that's probably... They probably don't pick freshmen. I think that might be the reason why there's no freshmen is there's a policy where you can't pick freshmen because there's, no there's no body work that they have. And they might have done it before the season started. So it makes perfect sense. But I would expect to see uh, Tohoka on this list probably later on in the season when it before the list starts to narrow down. Interesting choices, I think. Otterman, Goss, Kennedy, McKay, Mellon, Reese, Reese, and not Tucker. Well, Tucker, because he, he throws in the D3, uh, the D3 card there. But, you know, I don't really don't really look into the watch list that much, in my honest opinion. Obviously, we, I ripped on the USILA for their 11 12, or 12-man 12 watch list with three Penn State guys. Uh, Mac O'Keefe is not on that list, and neither is uh, Chris Sabia. Only one on this list is Granite Met, and he's currently hurt. So, yeah. Don't really... Watch lists, I think, are just a lot of opinions. Just watch the games. And even, even the fact that we are gone with four weeks through the college lacrosse season, some of these guys... Don't look like they're going to win the Toronto already. Grant, I meant just because he's hurt. Tate Boyce because Providence hasn't done a lot. Uh, Morgan Cheek, Harvard's not that good. I mean, I could go on. Brian Corrigan, Maris just won their first game against a winless Binghamton team. Just goes on. This list goes on and on. Brett Noseworthy, I haven't even heard of. I think I've heard of him from Michigan so far this year. I don't even know if he's leading the team in points, is he? He is. 13. In front of Kevin Mack and Alec, Alex Bukanavich. And even from what I've heard from Michigan, Bukanavich is their main guy for on offense. He's their star on offense. So that's not helping his case at all. You also have Tucker, because I think the D3 guys are going to be eliminated. And they just lost to Gettysburg on Sunday in overtime. And then Jack Wilson, uh, because I don't even think he's the best guy in BU. Don't look in the list. Just enjoy the lacrosse. You can depend. You can decide who is the who should be a Torito nominee. Who should be a very good player this year and two years down the road. But I would not really 
put a grade. If your player wasn't in there, that's fine. You know what? To be quite honest with you, the towards and watch list should be everybody who plays lacrosse because that makes perfect sense whatsoever. So the guys like, you know, the redshirt freshmen or the freshmen that don't even play, they should be on the tour and watch list. Simple as that. Just put everybody on there because at this point it's like, hmm, just a lot of opinions. Just like mine. By the way, speaking of opinions, power rankings are going to be up on collegecross.com later today. All 71 teams are ranked as they always are. These are the only complete men's college lacrosse power rankings out there. Don't see them on IL. Don't see them on Lacrosse All-Stars. None on U.S. Lacrosse Mag. None anywhere else. Only college cross. You can get a complete 71-ranked power team power rankings on collegecross.com. Will you disagree with them? Absolutely, and that's the point. Will you agree with some of these decisions? Hopefully but probably not because you have your own rankings and your own opinions. But as I think as the season goes on, these rankings will start to be a little bit better. And it's always tough for me to write these power rankings. It's it's a tassel just to get, you know, the, the Excel file from Google Sheets, make a new make a new sheet, copy it, transfer the rankings from last week to over, the, from the past week over over to the last week's rankings. And then literally ranking the teams before editing the records and the change and whatnot. And then you have to do it in the post where I have to write a sentence for each team. And an entire post as well with like the body and the picture and the URL and whatnot. So it, it's, a fun ha- it's a fun job to do, but it also takes a lot of time for these power rankings. So if you read them, I appreciate you. If you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and you leave a five-star review there have been six already I appreciate you that have done so if you leave a five-star if you leave a review which one person currently has thank you and we will read them on this podcast whenever we get to it so please continue supporting us and showing your love because we love you back because love always wins Let's let's do a uh, t- a Twitter question from one of our good buddies, that is a contributor to the site, Mister Dan Arestia. The Darien Times also with us and Inside Lacrosse and sometimes recruiting round rundown. A former, by the way, former coach at Darien High School in Connecticut, and they are usually very, very, very good at lacrosse. So his question was on Twitter. Besides the Torrington one, because actually that's how we got this uh, Torrington question done. First question that he had was, if Syracuse loses five straight, you going to be okay? And another guy with the at I get money 2006 with uh, questionable facial hair. Yeah, not the best facial hair. Decent enough. I, I give it a six. I have a goatee. I just, I just shaved part of my beard and made it a goatee and I actually kind of like it. He says we won't we won't lose five straight. Going to get on a nice roll now, and then we get to a, uh, how many games does Syracuse losing? And then Dan said, "Think it's reasonable to think three and two where the wins are Hopkins, Rutgers, and Notre Dame would be outstanding." And I'm setting in line easily a two and a half makes sense. So with Syracuse, 
they take on Virginia starting a that five-game stretch at clock near Sunday. That's actually game number 1,000 for the Cavaliers as a program. Big, big day there, and they're looking for their first ACC win since 2014, which came at Clockner, which came against Syracuse. Wow. So I appreciate the wait for Virginia there on that first conference win. Do they get it? There's a good chance. We'll wait for the predictions to find out. Then they have Hopkins at the Dome. Then they are at Rutgers in Piscataway, which could be a home game because all of the people that are from, that all the Syracuse supporters, one, they travel very well. Two, there's a strong contingent of Syracuse fans in New York, in the New York area, North Jersey as well. So it could feel like a home game for the Orange. Then they have at Duke, who, no, maybe that would have been a loss automatically, but now after what happened with Penn, maybe there's a chance Syracuse can come in there and go in there and uh, upset the Blue Devils at Koskinen. I believe they are. Not very good at Koskinen overall, even when they're playing UNC in the ACC semifinals. Then they have Notre Dame in the Dome, which could be a win. And looking at how the Irish have played their last two games, Detroit Mercy obviously was up eh, three weeks ago now, so you could maybe throw that out of the gate. And then uh, Richmond, it's a very defensive team. But we saw that with Army, and Syracuse found a way to get past that defense and win in triple overtime. And then you have, is that it? I think that's it. Wait, Virginia? Virginia? No, yeah, that's it. That's it. Five. And then you have Hobart. So, I don't want to say, I'm not going to do my projection for Virginia yet, but as Dan mentioned, the all of, let's start last year, right? I said this on Twitter. The four games that they played last year that are still here, Virginia, Hopkins, they didn't play Rutgers last year. They played St. John's, but that was a one-goal game. Duke and Notre Dame, they were all one-goal games, and they were all Syracuse wins. Easily could have been one-goal losses for the Orange. So, you were you were on the right side of luck last year. Now, does that mean with all these losses that they had, they had to overcome with this offseason and the mumps, does it make them a worse team? No, not really. Maybe. Obviously, they're very young and inexperienced, but get for, get some time for these guys to develop, and maybe you start to see the fruits of your labor coming in. How long does that last? Hopefully, does how long does that take? Hopefully, it doesn't take that long. But I would think that two and a half, three is definitely reasonable. I think with how Hopkins is going. Hopkins could be a win, and especially I think I think it really helps as well that that Hopkins game is at the dome. And thank you to women's basketball for making that happen because actually last year should have been a game at the dome, but because of the women's basketball, they actually have to move the annual Q's Hopkins game up a week away from St. Patrick's Day. I believe that starts. I believe that started last year, or no? That ble- that starts this year. Last year was at. It's on St. Patty's Day as well. But because of the women's basketball possibly hosting games here because of one season where they did really well, and I don't think they host, they will be able to host this year. They might be like a seven seed. 
This game is now a week earlier. We played the last two games in Homewood. This year will be the first of two straight years. They'll be at the Carrier Dome and then repeats to alternating in 2020. But I think if you have this game at Homewood, I think it would be a, could be a Hopkins win because of all these young and experienced guys not knowing a lot yet and just getting thrown right to Hopkins. It's going to be some interesting uh, activities in the Dome next Saturday that I can't really spill the beans on yet. It's a very it's very good for the young orange guys that this game is in the dome. Then they have Rutgers, and Rutgers is a beatable team. They lost to Army, who lost to Syracuse. I think that could be a win there. But the Rutgers offense is going to be a decent challenge. Duke will be a tough game. I think Duke can come out and beat the Orange, but I think the Orange can make that a game. And then Notre Dame... Not a fan of them, but the last time they went in there, they shellacked the Orange on their 100th anniversary game where they celebrated their 100th anniversary as a program. And usually when you have banquets uh, and celebrations for the Orange teams, the Orange usually lose. Happened two years ago with that, that Notre Dame game. Happened with Albany two weeks ago. And I think they're going to do that with Hopkins celebrate two teams uh, at halftime, so and then I think they have a ceremony in the law building, the Deneen Hall. So hopefully that doesn't sense bad. Uh, put Pat Karma on the orange this time around. It's a uh, it's a win, and we'll have plenty of that next week on the College Crosscast. Maybe Black and Blue Jay Potfidential coming up with Adam and Safe on that game. That has to happen, and then definitely on this podcast. So I see three as a reasonable, I think three will happen for the next five games for Syracuse. Another topic I, I find interesting about is that I just came into mind because I've been t- thinking about Virginia because this is our first road game of the season. Clockner, I love traveling. I'm a traveling kind of guy. I love traveling in the ACC because you go to uh, places that aren't cold. That don't have a roof. So Clockner. Uh, Notre Dame is probably the second coldest. It's also out west. And it's weird. You're in Indiana. Not like Virginia or North Carolina. Or North Carolina for Duke and North Carolina. Virginia is. I for, I kind of have a cl- small memory of how Virginia was. Because we went there two years ago. We will actually be making two trips there. Hopefully. With the ACC championship. Being the second trip in April. By the way, there is no fifth place game this year. So if you're the fifth place team, you are sitting home. Which could mean trouble for you come Selection Sunday. But, you know, with the the, the reasons that Virginia is having uh, on Sunday with game number 1,000 as a program. And them looking for their first ACC win in four years. It begged the question for me, would you rather win at home or would you rather win it away in any type of game? So let's say for me, you play hot. Let, let's say for a rivalry game, not like any other like schmuck game where you're playing, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm Sienna and I'm playing Michigan and I'm at, well, that might be actually a nice little win, but let's say Sienna and Monmouth, MAC teams. That's a conference win. Uh, 
I need to think. Uh, Sienna and Sienna and Stony Brook. Let's do that. Sienna Stony Brook. You're at Laval Stadium for the Saints, and you beat the Sea Wolves. And you know Sienna's actually a good team at two and zero, and Stony Brook could be able to beat that that team possibly. I would feel like instead of winning it at home, and I and I like being at home. You have the crowd with you. You know everything that goes on. You know the pregame routine. You can sleep in your own apartment or dorm or house or whatever. You don't have to go to the hotel and you don't have to fly or bus or whatever. It's simple as that. You're here. You travel. It's a kind of set routine. Whereas when you're traveling, you have to you, you know the fly and the plane. You you practice at a different field. You're not really that known. Crowd could be hostile, different plane surface possibly. With Virginia, it's it's grass field, unlike the Carrydome where it's turf. But out for the game purpose itself, I am big on beating teams on the road. I love, I absolutely love being the bad guy. The bad guy can be good sometimes. And you can like the bad guy, and I like being I like being the role of being the bad guy. To be quite honest with you. I might have this sense of like cockiness and arrogance and sense that some people don't like me, and I'm fine with that, and I, I could care less if people do like me or don't like me for the most part. But being a team and you know, going on the road and beating your rival, even with even with us with Syracuse last year, I enjoyed beating Hopkins at Homewood, and just shutting up the Hopkins faithful and their band of like 10 people that can barely play good instruments, and sadly they will be here on Saturday, which will be, on next Saturday, which will be sad to hear for all the people that will be in the Cary Dome and having to hear their uh, their un- overrated uh, uh, fight song. And then also with last year with Fetzer Field, Fetzer Field at North Carolina was senior day. And then that was their last game at Fetzer Field for the regular season. And we were the ones that shut that place down for the men. I mean, I think the women were kept playing and Navy women technically shut the place down. But we like to say that, you know, we closed Fetzer Field. You you know that there are going to be some things that's, that all these other teams plan on doing to make this a big moment and a big game for your, that opposing team. Hobart last year was an interesting one where uh, I think a frat or a house threw eggs at our bus. And I don't know if it really, like, was like, I think for more of us, it was like, oh, my God, this is cool. They don't like us. And it's Hobart. And you don't think that Hobart likes you. And you don't really think that they care. But you go on Boswell Field, and it's an annual rivalry game. It's a trophy game. You win that. Just feels a lot better from, in my opinion, that we went on the road, and especially with bigger teams that we know of, like you beat Hopkins, you upset Duke, you beat Notre Dame. It's you're expect as a home person. I'm doing this right now in sport economics. As a home fan, you go to these games expecting slightly that your team wins. Like I think 60, 40, 65, 35, the home team is favored, and usually that's right. You want to be that 35-40% that the home team doesn't win. And you win. And it just 
dampens the person's crowd and the fans' crowd for the rest of the day. Like, oh, I wanted to see them win, and they didn't. And you can say, ha, we won, and you did it. Just just making people sad. You know, and, and being an Eagles fan and being around Patriots fans during the Super Bowl. By the way, the Eagles did win the Super Bowl. Public service announcement. Just being around Patriot fans during the Super Bowl win, it felt like in a bar, it felt like it was a deeply Patriot-heavy bar. So being the only one of the very few Eagles fans there, it felt really, really good that I was part of the minority and we were winning. And it feels like that on the road, too. Like, you were part of the minority and a lot of people are looking at you weird as, and with, like, maybe some death stares or whatnot. But you don't really care because you're doing your job and you are enjoying being the spoiler, being the villain. And even if you go to road games or professional games, sometimes you, you're really hyped to be the... You want to see your team win and spoil a home crowd, and it's nothing. I think, to be quite honest with you, nothing is better. Regular season results, nothing is better than a road win against a big team. Nothing at all. You can win a home game in triple overtime against a very good Army team, but I think if you do it on the road, it's a lot sweeter. It just feels phenomenal. So I'm a road guy. If you are a home guy, if you are a road guy, let me know, C at C.F. Jastrzemski and at college underscore cross on Twitter. Do you Would you rather win games at home or win games away, and why? And maybe some people might say because the fans, you want to win games for the fans. I just want to win a game and just win one for our fans so that we can spoil other fans. Interesting dynamic there, but I'm a big believer in winning on the road. And it also, like, Gives you some kind of like intensity and uh, adrenaline that you were playing on the road and you were ready to play spoiler. It's us against the world kind of type of mentality, in my opinion. Let's go to the weekend because everybody is working for the weekend. Uh, two games on Friday, the Midwest Lacrosse Classic once again at Detroit Mercy. Two o'clock is the first game where Bellarmine takes on Detroit Mercy, and then at six o'clock. An annual matchup between Marquette and Ohio State. In that game, in those two games, I like Detroit Mercy over Bellarmine, and I like Ohio State bouncing back after a near upset against Jacksonville over Marquette, who doesn't have a lot of scoring this year. Anthony Orsini is a good freshman who has six goals and two assists. John Wagner is their leading scorer, the returning leading scorer after Tanner Thompson left with an injury, five goals and three assists. Also look for Colin McClellan, Jack Zarello, Peter Hankus, Luke Vasos, Ryan Fazio. A lot of these guys are young guys, sophomore, juniors. There's only one senior. Senior has one point, Colin Real, with one goal. But that might mean, that might play a good sign that the Golden Eagles are young and they will have some guys contributing later next year and two years from now and whatnot. So that, that could build up to be a very good team in the near future. Saturday games, we have a boatload of Saturday games, and they start early with St. John's at North Carolina. The game is at 10.30. 11 a.m. on Big Ten Network, it is Notre Dame at Maryland, a top 10 matchup there. I believe they're a top five team, according to the media poll. Maryland's number two. U.S. Lacrosse has them at number one. Yeah, Maryland, Notre Dame is eight. 
according to Inside Lacrosse, two eight on Saturday at College Park. High point is at Robert Morris at noon. All these other games are at noon. VMI at Mount St. Mary's. Cornell is at Albany in a good New York matchup. Jacksonville at Vermont. Well, Jacksonville against Vermont at Archbishop Spalding High School in Maryland. Siena at Michigan. UMBC at Towson. Denver at Furman at noon. Denver starts a two games in three days trip. One o'clock games now. Yale Bryant in a a Rhode Island Connecticut battle. Stony Brook at Fairfield. Richmond at Duke. Providence at Sacred Heart. Navy at Bucknell. Army at Lafayette. Colgate at Lehigh. Penn State at Penn. Loyola Holy Cross. Villanova Delaware. Hartford Harvard. Again, that's Hartford against Harvard. Georgetown Hofstra, Cleveland State, Canisius, and Monmouth UMass Lowell. Two games at 2 o'clock, Binghamton, Hobart, BU, and Air Force. Air Force, I believe, will be playing at noon out in Colorado since it's two hours behind Eastern Standard Time. Two games at 3 featuring NGIT at Quinnipiac and Wagner at Dartmouth. Game at 4 with Rutgers at Brown. 5 o'clock, Marist at Drexel. And then 6 o'clock on ESPN3, Princeton, who is unranked in my top 20, but they are technically ranked in the media poll, faces off against Johns Hopkins, who is ranked. So that means we are going to be on the one-year one year anniversary of unranked Princeton beating third-ranked Johns Hopkins on the road, 18-7. to And I'm not sure what day it was last year that this happened, that game happened. It was a memorable game. I remember it like it was yesterday. Hopkins was 3-0 and coming into this game against Princeton. All of a sudden, they give up 18 goals. Uh, yeah, one day, one year anniversary, exactly one year to the day on Saturday. It will be 18-7 to for the Tigers. Now, will they able, will they, will we see a similar result? I don't think so. But if we see a similar result, oh my God, Ryan McDonald will have a field day, an absolute field day with this. And I will be excited as well. Sunday games, the second half of the midweek, Midwest Lacrosse Classic, Bellarmine, Marquette at 1 o'clock, Ohio State at Detroit Mercy at 2 o'clock. That might change. That seems like it could change to 3 or 4 or whatever. Then in Virginia, it is the ACC opener between Syracuse and Virginia that game is on the ACC Network Extra. And then a big game Monday, Denver at North Carolina. But we will rehash that on the Monday version of the podcast. Actually, no. Because actually we usually post on Tuesday. Recap Monday. So, Monday, Denver, North Carolina. So, and by the way, today starts 10 straight days of college lacrosse action. There will be at least one men's Division One lacrosse game each day for the next 10 days. Boatload of games on Tuesday, two games Wednesday, one game Thursday, one Friday, but a bunch of Saturday games because it's Saturday, and then one Sunday you were off the following Tuesday the 12th, or Monday the 12th, before you have six games on Tuesday, two Wednesday, none Thursday, one Friday, and then we do the whole shebang again. 
So let's go to picks. I want winners. Starting with the Friday games, I like Detroit Mercy over Bellarmine, and I like Ohio State over Marquette. Saturday, March 3rd, UNC over St. John's. Give me Maryland. I don't think it's even close over Notre Dame. Robert Morris continues her good run over High Point. Give me Mount St. Mary's bouncing back over VMI. I like Albany over Cornell. It will be a high-scoring game, and I think Cornell makes it interesting late. Give me Vermont over Jacksonville in a neutral site, but I think Jacksonville makes things interesting as well. I think they it's a four-goal win for the Catamounts. This Michigan-Siena game, Siena has looked better, let's say, since they went 0-1-10 to start the season last year. One goal wins over Hobart and UMass Lowell. They beat UMass Lowell in overtime last week. Michigan, on the other hand, is also looking good. They're 2-2. Two two. That's fine. Cleveland State Ballermoon wins. They lost to Penn by 3, but they lost to Yale by 4. They are competitive. They host Siena. And I like the Wolverines by 2 in this game. I think Siena kind of makes it interesting. Towson over uh, Towson UMBC. I like Towson's offense beating UMBC's offense barely. Give me the Tigers in a very low scoring game, maybe five four. After what we saw with a four three Providence win over St. Joe's last week, Denver crushes Furman. Yale over Bryant. Give me Fairfield over Stony Brook. Duke rebounds nicely over Richmond. Give me Sacred Heart and a, I guess a, a mild upset, even though Sacred Heart's a home team. People, I think, would think Providence would beat Sacred Heart. I think Sacred Heart can win this game. I like Bucknell over Navy, Army over Lafayette. I like Lehigh over Colgate. Colgate played a very good game last week against Bucknell. I think the Raiders start 0-2 in Patriot League play. Uh, I like Penn over Penn State. Penn State, I don't think Grant Immense will be playing. On Saturday, but his status is always up in the air because I don't think they have any update on his official public update on his status yet. Loyola over Holy Cross. I like Villanova over Delaware by three goals. Give me Hartford in an upset over Harvard. The Hawks of Hartford over the Crimson of Harvard. Georgetown takes care of Hofstra. Cleveland State, Canisius. Give me Cleveland State in this one. They played some very good opponents well this year, especially Air Force. Might have been able to beat Mercer in overtime. They did not. I like Monmouth over UMass Lowell. I like Hobart getting their first win over Binghamton. I like BU against Air Force. I like Quinnipiac over NGIT. Wagner over Dartmouth. I like... I'm going to say, yeah, I like Brown over Rutgers. I like Brown over Rutgers. I think Rutgers, it's a overtime game. A relatively high-scoring game. I think you just get under 30 goals, 28 goals. And a four, or 15 to... No, 29. Vic at 15 to 14. 15 to 14 game, under at 29 goals for the Brown Bears winning that game. I like, I like Drexel getting their first one over Marist. And then I like Hopkins. Sadly, we won't have a, a result as we did last year. Hopkins over Princeton. Sunday's games, I like Marquette over Bellarmine. I like Ohio State over Detroit, uh, Ohio State over Detroit Mercy. And 
this one. Now, there are Syracuse guys that have been asking me what my predictions are, and I actually had a thing in my mind, but I told them I can't really say it. I think Virginia's offense is phenomenal. I think their defense needs some work still, except their goalie, who I think Alex Rode is very, very solid goalie. Syracuse needs some work on offense, but I think their defense is good. How will they play with Lars Tiffany's team? We don't know, but if you get a bad, I think if you get a bad start as you did last week against Army with this Virginia team, it's going to be too much. So that's why they're going to win by one, Syracuse will. I think Syracuse finds a way that they rebound, they learn from their mistakes, they are in a different gear this week around and Virginia, and I applaud them, I applaud them for waiting four years for their first ACC win, and it will definitely happen this year, Notre Dame next week. But Syracuse, I think, takes the game one, number 1,000 in front of the Virginia faithful in this one. And then Monday, North Carolina, Denver. I like Denver. I don't think North Carolina is a strong face-off guy, and their defense isn't ready for Denver's offense just yet. And so with that, that is our weekend preview and other topics to discuss. We didn't have a guest last week, this week, but thank you to Anish Schroffer again for jumping in and joining us for last week's edition. And we apologize for the technical difficulties we had with that show. Uh, sometimes it happens. Other than that, you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud. Across College Across, you can listen on Stitcher, tune in. We're still working on Google Play, working in quotes, because not really working, but we'll find a way to get on Google Play if you want to listen to Google Play, but there are other ways you can do so. Uh, iTunes, subscribe, five-star reviews. Also, review, right, type out your review, and we'll read it on air. Also, follow me on Twitter, at CF Dostremski. You can also, is it CF Dostremski or is it CF underscore? That's kind of sad that I don't know why. Yeah, C.F. Dostremski. Okay. At C.F. Dostremski. Follow College Cross on Twitter at college underscore cross. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. And then also, always, check out the website, collegecross.com. Power rankings, game day posts, prospectus, power rankings from Skyler and his women's stuff, Dana Restius posts each week, and other stuff and podcasts like College Crosscast. And this one. And with that, we will bid you an adieu. We are, I'm not really sure what I'm doing for Saturday because our plane ride is early in the morning. And that's actually in the middle of when I would do my, our uh, Facebook and now Twitter and Periscope uh, game day shows. So that is to be determined. We might not have one. I'm, I don't think we will have one. But either way, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe in this Nor'easter. And always stay hydrated out there. Bye, Felicia.